Hey everyone, welcome to the Church of Jubilee podcast. I'm Sister Rebecca Ramirez, and today's message, Pastor talks about the importance of looking to Christ. In the book of Numbers, chapter 1, it speaks about Israel journeying in the wilderness. They became discouraged. They lost sight of their promise. They became ungrateful. The people became discouraged, and sometimes we all face discouragement along our walk. But it's what they did when they were in the discouragement that angered God. They lost sight of their purpose. They questioned their purpose as to why they had to be living in the desert. And they became ungrateful. They complained of the manna that the Lord had promised for them. Today we want you to receive this word. We believe that God has something great for you. We pray that the bite you receive is the one that heals as was in the book of Numbers. And remember, don't forget to subscribe to our podcast and share with someone you know who may need to hear this. And as always, thank you so much for tuning in, and we pray that this blesses you. Have a great day. Here we go. The book of Numbers, chapter 21, verses 4 through 17. The word of God reads as this. Then they, the Israelites, journeyed from Mount Hor by the way of the Red Sea to go around the land of Edom. And the soul of the people became very discouraged. Everybody say discouraged. They became very discouraged on the way. And the people spoke against God and against Moses. They said, why have you brought us out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no food, there is no water, and our soul loathes this worthless bread. So the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people, and they bit the people, and many of the people of Israel died. Therefore the people came to Moses and said, We have sinned, for we have spoken against the Lord and against you. Pray to the Lord that he take away the serpents from us. So Moses prayed for the people. Then the Lord said to Moses, make a fiery serpent, set it on a pole, and it shall be that everyone who was bitten, when he looks at it, shall live. So Moses made a bronze serpent and put it on a pole. And so it was, if the serpent had bitten anyone, when he looked at the bronze serpent, hallelujah, he would not die. Amen? I believe that God is going to give you something today. I've entitled my message today, A Bite That Heals. And you may be thinking in your mind, you may have your seats giving glory to God. You may be thinking in your mind, what does a bite, how can a bite heal if a bite is the same thing that is causing the pain or causing the poison or causing the toxin? How can a bite from an animal that's a serpent, how can that ever be a possible use for healing somebody? Amen? But I got to explain to you first about Israel. And as we know, Israel has... We know a lot about Israel because I preach a lot about Israel, the Israelites. Because when I think about it, they're not, they're not too different from us. Uh, you know, we look at them and we can sit here and say, man, those guys are some crazy people. Or even some of us might be saying, man, they're so dumb. But that's not the point. The point is, is that when we look at everything, we're not too different from the Israelites. Why? Because they had been journeying in a wilderness, which means they had been traveling in a wilderness they had been traveling in a desert area, a wilderness that had no life. 
that, that it, was a, it was a pretty much a, a barren land. But the reality is that they had to live that life because, of, because they decided that they wanted to pursue their own ways. And, they, and God said, well, if you're not going to follow what I tell you to do and you're not grateful for what I've gotten for you, then you're going to continue to wander around until you come to your senses. So along the process, they become discouraged. Everybody say discouraged. Raise your hand if you felt some kind of discouragement at one point in your life. Amen? We've all been there. So were the Israelites. They were discouraged. They lost sight of the promise that God had for them. Even though God said, I'm going to take you to a promised land. Because it did not happen right there at that moment. They became discouraged. They began to lose sight. And then the last thing that I want you to know is you cannot be with God. And it's a form of, of just like spitting in his face. You cannot be ungrateful to God. You have to be grateful to God for what he gives us. We all face discouragement along our walk. But it's what they did when they were in their discouragement that angered God. Listen to me very carefully, church. You can be discouraged at times, but it's what you do, what you turn to, what decisions you make in that discouragement is what's going to impact your spiritual life. Do you understand that? It is your decision to say, I'm discouraged, I feel down, and I'm going to turn to this, or I'm going to turn to that, or I'm going to go back to that. You have to understand that you have to make a, an important decision. And the Israelites, their decision was, I'm going to complain, and I'm going to criticize the man of God that God has placed above us. Moses, you have taken us to nowhere. You have not brought us to the promised land. Why do you keep taking us over here? It was better if we were left in Egypt. Why are you spending time? Blah, blah, blah. And why hasn't God answered? And why aren't you here, God? You said you're the God of miracles. You said you're going to take us. Blah, 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 blah. You following? Doesn't that sound like some of us? We become crybabies to God, right? We become spoiled little brats at times where we go to God and we complain about everything. And yet we breathe a breath of life. Yet we're blessed with children. Yet we have what we have. We have our mothers at times. We have our fathers at times. We have our own family members. We have a job. And yet we complain to God because that's not enough. But the most important thing about this is they spoke out against the leader that God had put in their lives. And I'm not saying that, I'm not trying to pull a pastoral rank and say, I'm above everybody and do whatever. But I will tell you something, if God has seen it fit for you to be in this place, and God has placed a man, no matter who's standing right here, and that man is to be honored above all things, because God says, honor those who, who are older than you, and honor those who are above you. Amen? But they cursed him. They cursed, they cursed God. They were angered with God. They cursed Moses. They spoke about him. And, and perhaps they were ungrateful with ungratefulness. And they began to question if God was even going to take them to where he needed to take them. And then they did the most, I think, is just crazy. Then they complained, God has been feeding them manna, which is a, a, a heavenly food. It's, it's something that he's been giving them. He's been feeding them, and, and they get tired of it. And they get tired of it and they complain about God's supernatural breath that he's been giving them. They easily forgot, though, in that moment, and that's like you and I, it's so easy to forget that we're the ones that cause things to happen to ourselves. The only one that you can point at is yourself when you're in that struggle. Because if it's not for our actions, then, then we wouldn't be in that situation. Amen? And that's what the Israelites they forgot. They forgot that it was the sin that placed them there in the first place. So we begin to see a pattern with the Israelites that you and I can relate to. And the pattern is this. God delivers them. 
right? Takes him out, cleans him up, sets him on the, on the right path. He blesses them. He guides them and protects them. And then they soon forget that God brought them out and then become ungrateful. They're not happy with the blessing God gives them anymore. So then what they do next is they begin to question and complain. Doesn't that sound a lot like you and I? God blesses us, gives us things, and we're still not happy. We still want more. But then we read that the Lord sends serpents and snakes to the Israelites. Amen. And the serpents bit the people. And the word of God says that many died. Many of the Israelites died. These are God's people, by the way. And they end up dying because they got bit by a snake. They got poisoned bit by a snake. And then, finally, when they begin to see that snake and, and the serpents biting, it brings forth a repentance. Why is it that we have to get to the point where we're bitten and we're smitten and we're on the ground about to die spiritually that at that time we say, oh, I remember I have a God. Oh, I remember that I have a God I got to go to because I have nowhere else to go. I've drugged myself in this six-foot hole and all I can look up to is up now. Why does it take the church so long? Why does it take the body of Christ so long to understand that? Because God wants to bless you in your prime. God wants to take you and bless you. He doesn't want you to be bitten by serpents for you to say, I got to ask for repentance now because I messed up. But for us humans, we want to get to the point where we, we're at the, we, got, we got beat, we're on the ground, we're barely breathing, Brother Lorenzo. And, and we get to that point and we say, God, I need you now. Where was God along the 1 through 10 process? We were too ungrateful. That's what it was. Just like the Israelites. They were so ungrateful for what they had. They forgot. Verse 7 says, therefore the people came to Moses and said, we have sinned. For we have spoken against the Lord and against you. Pray that the Lord, that he may take away the serpents from us. So Moses prayed for the people. Isn't that such an amazing man of God? That even though the people were complaining about Moses, the same person they were complaining about was the same person that said a prayer that was able to lift the curse from the serpents. You getting that? Your worst critics God will use to bless you. The people that hate on you, the people that can't stand you, are the people that God will bring glory through and say, one day you're going to be honoring this person. You may talk about them, you may not like them, but one day you're going to be honoring them in the form of a godly way. But it's not until we have some problems, Sister Becca. It's not until we have some major problems in our life that we begin to dial God's 911 number. I need 911 right now. God doesn't want you to wait to the end. To where you're broken down on your knees, you can't look anywhere else but up. He wants to get you your attention before it gets to that point. God doesn't want you to get bit by serpents. But it's interesting that we all have major problems, and it's only during those problems that we know there's a God. Because when we're living in our good life, living it up, living the dream, you're living your only live once, the YOLO life and all that, we don't need a God at that time. Many of those Israelites are us today. We can play games. We can think that we're fooling everybody but ourselves. You can't fool God. Be grateful. Through your struggles, be grateful. Turn to God the moment you have a problem, period. So then they get this. They go to Moses, the one they cursed. 
They, the leader that they complained about, this is the leader that God said, I have appointed him to go lead them to the, to the promised land. The leader they felt that was leading them nowhere in the desert. And he brings Moses and he brings them to be humbled before him. And they say, Moses, please, brother, oh, please pray to God that he takes away the serpents. How many of us have honestly been like, oh, bro, you were just talking about, remember? Remember all that smack you were talking? Remember all that that you were doing? You remember that? You remember that you were, you were there and you were talking and, and you were over here saying stuff and, and now you want me to pray for you? To pray this off of you? And God says, yeah. I'm going somewhere with that. You see, God will use those that are against you. He'll use the will that's been declared in your life. And he'll use your same situation to answer a prayer they have. He'll use you to be a blessing to them, even though they might not even realize it. So I like to call that the anti-venom. The anti-venom is, for most of us in here know what anti-venom is. It's a form of venom. It's just used to help numb that, that poison to get your body used to it. It's like an antidote. It's something that, that, that God uses at this moment, he uses the same thing that bit them as an anti-venom. In other words, that venom is something when a snake bites you, if you don't have any anti-venom, it's going to make your body go crazy. But the anti-venom is almost like a solution. It's like a resolution. In some form or fashion, it helps uh, stabilize the, the venom and the poison. Think about that for a moment. And I'm here to tell you today that you will be the anti-venom to somebody's bite. You are the anti-venom to somebody's bite. You're not, yeah, we're not any perfect, anybody better than anyone else. But God will use your situation to bless someone else. Whether it's at the bottom part where you're getting bit by serpents and you overcome it, God will say, I'm going to use that situation because there's someone out there that needs to know there's a God. Amen? It is through you that the Lord will show them that those who come against him and those he loves shall remain humbled. Anti-venom, think about that for a moment. For those of you who love Discovery Channel, you know what I'm talking about. It's also known as anti-venom or venom anti-serum. It's a process that they take from the snake and they call it milking. They place them on there, they have a little screen, they get it and they get the venom out. And that's what saves lives. Do you believe that? The same poison that can kill them is what saves their life. That's amazing. In that same way, let me share with you that the biggest trials that you're going to face or that you've already faced, you see, God has used to strengthen you. You don't even realize it, that everything you've had to go through up until this point, God has started to use and strengthen your, 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 your tolerance to the bite, hallelujah, that when the enemy comes and brings temptation and they start biting at your feet, you're like, get off me. I don't need you anymore. God has set me free. It's the same Bite that same poison, that same venom that's entering your body that you are no longer have to be a slave to. Because God says you are no longer a slave to sin. Whatever you have been struggling with, whatever you have been dealing with, I'm here to tell you today that God is going to use some anti-venom in your life. And he's going to say that exact same thing that you struggled with, God is going to turn around and bring to his glory. Come on, give the Lord a round of applause for that. The same venom that would normally kill you 
is going to be what God's going to take for you to develop an immunity to it. So you say, oh, I recognize that bite. It's okay because I've been, God has been preparing me through some struggles in my life. God has been preparing me through some hard times when I had no choice but to look up. And God says, I am that anti-venom. Hallelujah. He will use those times that you failed and you failed and you failed. And he says, don't worry, child. I'm going to gather all those little moments that the devil prides himself on, all those little small trophies that he seems to have. And I'm going to make a huge trophy that's going to say, in the end, we win. Hallelujah. In the end, he wins. It's going to say the blood of Jesus on it. Hallelujah. Even though the enemy has bit you over and over, these bites will have no effect on you. That's what I need you to get. You see, the same struggle, the same thing you've been dealing with is what God's going to turn around and use. And it's going to project you to your next level in Christ. You don't believe me? Ask my wife. She'll tell you. She'll tell you about testimony over me. It took all those hard times, all those moments, all those struggling times that I struggled with to get me to where I'm at today. Because if it wasn't for that, I would not be here today. You get it? If it wasn't for me, those, un- those bites that came, those, uh, those, uh, those times that I struggled, I would not be here as strong as I am today in Christ. I'm just, I'm not, I don't ever claim to be perfect and I never will be. So I want you to know that pastor has a testimony too. Am I proud of the past? No. Is it in the past? Yeah. Have I forgotten about everything? Forgetting those things are which are behind and reaching for things that are ahead. Amen. But do I choose to go back to the venom that killed me? No. Do I choose to go back to the snake pit that's over there? No. I'm going to stay away from it. Why? Because I already know what kind of venom that has. Hallelujah. But God has said, I've given you a new, I've given you a new life. Hallelujah. He's using it to build you up, church. You've got to get this today. It's an encouraging message. He's using what has hurt you, what has, has been a, a pain point for you. And he says, I'm going to build you stronger, brother. I'm going to make you stronger. I'm going to make you have some tough skin so that when somebody comes and ac- uh, criticizes you, you're going to be able to say, yeah, yeah, whatever. I know what God's doing in my life. And the last part of the story is an awesome one. We understand that God instructs Moses to build a fiery bronze serpent. Okay? Everybody with me? A fiery bronze serpent. That's the same thing as a staff made of bronze with a fiery serpent. I don't know how he made it, but he did it. And he tells them, then the Lord said to Moses, make a fiery serpent and set it on a pole. And it shall be that whoever is bitten, when he looks at it, shall live. You know, when I first read that, I was like, what? A ser- okay, so when they look at this bronze serpent, this object, when they look at it, how is it going to bite them? How is it going to bite them? Like, how can it bite them? It's not even alive. It's, a, it's an object. But the Lord started sharing me and showing me some things. And wait till I share with you. The Lord uses a symbol. Of the same serpent that had brought them forth to repentance. He uses the same symbol that had caused their family, their friends, Brother Lorenzo. He caused their family and friends and loved ones to die. He, he uses the same thing that they would probably be like, I hate snakes. I never want to be a part of snakes. They killed my, 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 my brother, my mom, or my dad. It bit my mom and it killed him. And he uses the same old symbol that they already were recognized with to do something with. <laughs> 
Now, that is super just mind-blowing because who's going to want to look at something that reminds them of somebody that died? Who's going to want to have faith in some in something or some, some kind of object that once brought pain to them? I know I don't. But he uses it and he says, everyone who is bitten, when he looks at it, shall live. So now there's a catch to it. Now these aren't the serpents that once they're biting them and, and, and because of their lack of repentance. This is now a sign of repentance. This is now a sign of saying, hey, if you can believe in the almighty God and trust me to know that what the man of God is doing right here, I am in control, then you will surely live. Amen? They had to have faith and they had to trust in God. That when they looked at that serpent and they believed that God was still God upon the throne, they knew that that was not of the enemy and that was of God. But it was the same symbol, the same situation that they had to confront and say, look, I don't know, maybe I'll get bit again, but I know that my God is behind that. I'm sure some of us would be thinking probably like, how would this bronze serpent, how would that look? And what would it look like? And, and would it, I mean, I don't know. But what God was asking the Israelites is saying, can you look at your past? Can you look at your struggles? Can you look at what you've been going through? And can you trust me through the process to know that if you look at that serpent again, guess what? I am the Alpha and Omega, God says. And he says, I am the great I am. Can you have enough trust that through your struggles, through your trials, God can bring you out? Hallelujah. Sometimes you got to face it. Sometimes you got to look back into your past and say, I know where I've come from. I'm not going back there but I see God through the process and sometimes you got to tell your future I see God through the process I don't know why I'm going through what I'm going through but I'm trusting God through the process I don't know why I'm having to deal with these things but I'm trusting God through the process this is the bite that heals because it's not the other kind of bite. It's a bite that comes from faith. It's a bite that says, are you willing to trust me as your God, God says, and trust that through whatever you're going through, whatever you will continue to go through, I am still going to be God in your life. And in the same way, it's showing you that, hey, that sim, that, that snake up there, that serpent is a sign that we got to all have repentance. That there is a sin that we have to repent of. It was a reminder of their sin. Because when they looked at that serpent, they said, I remember why we got that, those serpents in the first place. It was because we had sinned against God. It was because we had sinned against the man of God. So not only was it a healing, having faith, it was a reminder to them that we messed up. And only through God can we make it right. Some of us today... You may be watching, you may be sitting here, have messed up. But it's only through God that we get a second chance. Isn't that amazing? That he's merciful enough to say, I'll give you a second chance. Just prove to me that every time you look back at that cross, every time you look at back at that, whatever addiction you have, whatever problem you have, you remember why you got there in the first place. And you avoid it. God will take your situation 
through whatever has not killed you. Whatever has not killed you has made you stronger. Whatever has defeated you for a moment is not going to win. You got to know that, hallelujah, because you're going to win in the end, hallelujah. And God will take that situation and he'll use it to heal you. Yes, it's going to bite. Yes, it's going to hurt through the process. Yes, you got to come to God and say, God, I'm sorry for what I did. I did A through Z. God, I need a forgiving God. I need your forgiveness right now in this moment. Until you come to then, you're going to continue to get bit. And not the bite that heals, the bite that kills. But it goes even further. It goes even further because what the enemy had meant for wrong, God said, I'm going to make the enemy, I'm going to mock him and make a fool out of him. By what he tried to do with the Israelites, watch what I'm going to do with the people. Watch how I'm going to redeem my nation, my creation. Watch what I'm going to do, Satan, because in the end you're going to sit there with your jaw hitting the ground. John 3.14 says this, And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him, okay, should not perish but have everlasting life. You get what we're tying it back? They came back in the New Testament and said, oh, Satan, you remember you thought it was dead, right? You thought that the fiery serpent and all the Israelites had all passed? Well, guess what? Remember that serpent? Yeah, that's going to be used for you now. That when you look at that serpent and you remember it, you're going to see the Son of Man up there. A God who gave himself on the cross. Why did he do it? To make it right for his people. So Satan has a reminder too. Every time he looks at Jesus Christ, he can't stand it. He hates Jesus just as much as he hates you and I. Because every time he looks, he knows his future. That's the truth. Every single time he looks at that cross and says, I hate that cross. Yeah, because, he's gonna, he's gonna, because of that cross, he's defeated. You see, John was referring to Jesus Christ being lifted up. The bronze serpent was a reminder to the children of Israelites of their sin. But through that same symbol, he had their healing. Jesus Christ, get this, Jesus Christ, who was of no sin took and became sin, okay, so that you and I would have the ultimate chance of eternal life with sin. Hallelujah. This God that was in heaven said, I got to go make it right. I have no sin, but I'm going to go die. I'm going to take the form of a servant, and I'm going to take all that sin, and I'm going to do something with it. I'm going to destroy it once and for all so that my people could have a chance. So you and I would have a chance. So that every time we looked at the serpent, which was Jesus Christ at the moment now, the one that bit them and would heal them. When we looked at the cross now, when we looked at Jesus on the cross, we know that there is grace and mercy that's abound. The serpent is the cross and the crucifixion of our precious Lamb of God that he endured is a representation of our sins. You should look at the cross and say, I remember where God brought me out of. I remember the snakes that bit me. I remember them. Because they, along the process, they took some of my family and friends. Because along the process, the enemy has deceived some of my family and friends. Some of our brothers and sisters in Christ have been deceived because they've allowed the snake, the serpent, to bite them. And because they have not repented and come back to God, they still remain bitten and paralyzed, spiritually speaking. 
But Jesus Christ became the sin and bore it all for us. As it was written in the book of Isaiah 53, 5. But he was wounded. Why was he wounded, church? For our transgressions. You get that? He was wounded for us. Nothing he did deserved a beating, deserved the most, the craziest way to get beat, the craziest way to be hung. I was thinking about this morning. They didn't have perfect nails back in the days. They were probably just, they made their own nails, but they were just probably horrible nails, rusted and everything. And they stuck them into our God, stuck them into his hands and his feet. Then they put, then they put a crown of thorns on them. A crown of thorns. You and I can barely handle a splinter that comes from wood. They put these sharp thorns on his head and they press it down on him. Is God not worth it to you? You want to be back to the Israelites? You want to keep going back to Egypt? Continue on your path. You'll find out where it takes you. Because I'll tell you one thing. It's not God's plan for you to go back. But if you're not careful, you'll miss the promised land because you'll be too worried about the complaining, about what you don't have, about what God hasn't done yet. But the bite of faith that when we look upon that cross, when the Israelites, just like they would look at that serpent, when we look at the cross, we have a faith in Jesus Christ. And that faith is that he who has started a work in you is faithful to fulfill it until the end. You getting that? This bite has to heal, church. He became the sin that he never was so that you and I would never could be what we never would have been. You get that? He came and he became the sin that he never was so that you and I can be what we never could have been without him. As a matter of fact, I'll give you an example real quick, and I'm coming to an end. I talk about this a little bit. Peter was so adamant that he was never going to deny God. He was so adamant that he was never going to deny God. Peter was one of God's disciples, walked with God. You would think that Peter would be perfect because he walked with God. And he's there telling God, I'll never, I'll never deny you. And then one day, give me a keyboard. And then one day. He comes along, and he's, and he's challenged. And they say, this guy was with Jesus. He's a part of them. I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know who you're talking about. I don't know Jesus. And he denies God. And he does it three times that day. But you know that God didn't stop using him that God knew it it was already planned for him it was already in the plans that Peter no matter what you go through even though you deny me even though you fail me I've already died for you I'm gonna take that that same failure and I'm gonna make you even greater off of it Peter I'm going to take that same failure, that same thing that crippled you in the first place, and I'm going to let it be a stepping stone to get you to where you need to be in Christ. Isn't he a mighty and faithful God? 
You know, when Moses was on the mountaintop praying to God, Aaron was dancing on the bottom of the mountain. And he was dancing like a fool. Okay? He was dancing. He, he got drunk. And he was, he got drunk on wine, drank too much. He was going crazy. He lost himself. He lost control. So while Moses and Aaron was one of right, Moses' right hand. And while Moses was up there praying to God for mercy upon the nation of Israel, his right-hand man is over there drunk and lost, making a fool out of himself at the bottom of the mountain. And people were criticizing him. But it was Aaron that the Lord would use one day to be a high priest. It was Aaron that one day would be used to help Moses. You see, I'm not saying... That you have a free, you have a free ticket to sin. Because you don't need a free ticket. It already exists. All that exists already. What I'm saying is that whatever you have been through, whatever struggle you have gone through, whatever thing that you felt that you, you failed God in because you weren't perfect like you thought you were. Because sometimes we think we're perfect and we're not. All God wants you to do is look back at his cross and say, I, I, I just need your, I need repentance, God. I need forgiveness, God. I need to be made new again, God. I need to come to you, God, and trust you and know that the second time I get a bite, it's not going to faze me anymore because you have taken me to a higher mountain. Let us stand. Hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. It was through these failures that the greatest men of God were used. You see people, you know, you see people that have been, they, they're used by God tremendously. And they're used by God. And he does great things with them. But I encourage you one day. Ask them. Ask them the question of how much they had to give. How much they had to give up. What they lost along the way. What happened in their life. Ask them, and you're going to find out that what you thought was a perfect life behind the calling, behind the ministry, wasn't so perfect at all. And let me encourage you today, church. Let me encourage you today that it's through your greatest flaws, your greatest failures, that God begins to make something great out of it. That God says, I will no longer look upon that as long as you keep looking forward. As long as you keep moving forward, hallelujah. As long as along the process, you don't start complaining about what I've given you. And you be content with what I've given you. Because you got to trust that God will give you the faith. You have to understand that we have the option to choose what bite we shall allow. The bite that keeps us and kills us or the bite that heals us. And you thought that you're the only one going through problems. You thought that why is this only happening to me, God? Why is it always me, God? I can't get a break, God. Little did you know that God's been using those moments to make you stronger, to develop your immunity, to develop an anti-serum, an anti-venom that's going to not take a, not be so impactful the next time. And guess what? When you look back at those bites, you're going to say, yeah, I remember them scars. I remember them bites that hurt so much. But look what God is doing right now. He died so that you and I could be something that we never could be. 
without him. I'm going to open up this altar.